Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. We did the new song today, the Jubilee song. And um, actually, God just kept saying to me for a week, do that song, do that song, do that song. And I didn't really know why, but I was like, well, I love it. I play it and sing it at home all the time. So, all right, get the team to do it. And um, we're practicing it. I'm singing it at home, worshipping to it at home. And I sing, like, my husband always jokes me and he goes, you know, it's just one person when you're singing. It's not 10,000 angels that you're, you know, you're sounding like you've got to be 10,000 angels. I'm like, I know, but I don't care. <laughs> it's getting to heaven. <laughs> um uh, but um, so we've been singing it for quite a while, but the Lord really said, bring it out this week into the set. Excuse me while I get all these notepads. <laughs> I'll explain what I'm doing with all the notepads in just a minute. But here's the reason why I found out this week. I didn't know this until after the set was organized and we're singing, you know, the songs that we've got are organized. Well, then I found out about a day or two later um, that... On next Sunday, which is September 25, is Rosh Hashanah, and that's the 25th of September. And we, it actually, we turn, we, what is we? But it's the 5,783rd year on the Hebrew calendar. And they, they link that calendar back to the beginning of Adam and Eve, the day Adam and Eve were created. And in, eight, in 80, 5,783, which is next Sunday... It's the year of Jubilee. I'll explain. So I know some people are like, yes, I know what that means. Others are like, well, so what? Um, what it means is, see, every, actually in Leviticus, I don't really want to start going there, but in Leviticus, if you read chapter 23, 24, and 25, you can read about what the Lord was saying about the, the, the Jubilee, what every seven years, um, there were certain things that had to happen, and there was um, seven sevens, and then that makes 49, right? And on the 50th year, everything rested. The land was to rest People's debts were to be let go. Slaves were let free, set free, um, and 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 everything was just returned back to the people. Um, um, so, please understand. Uh, there's more to Rosh Hashanah, but what is happening right now around the nations? We're not the only nation that people are going. Oh my gosh, what is happening? And running around like chickens with their heads cut off, right? Um, we're not the only nation. Every nation is quaking. Every nation is shaking. Every nation is being shaken really by the Lord, right? He's going to use anything the enemy uses against us. He's going to pick it up and use it for his glory. And we've got to be people who understand that, right? And even the timing of the Lord is really funny because because um, the, the enemy's not that smart, right? He just uses the old ideas that he used last time and every couple hundred years, this, oh, I'll cycle it back through this generation because they don't know from last generation. They don't learn the mistakes. And so he cycles of the old ideas and the old stuff again and again and again but here's the timing of God for Rosh Hashanah next Sunday is the year of Jubilee um, there's three there's three there's three festivals that happen really close together after Rosh Hashanah as Rosh Hashanah which I said means it's the year this is going to be the year of Jubilee but that's every it's a 50-year thing right um, Rosh Hashanah itself happens every year they just celebrate it but this is what it means it means Days of awe, um, A-W-E, for those of you that she's got an accent, A-W-E, like awe, wonder, awesome wonder. So they celebrate Rosh Hashanah, understanding that the, that day and several days following for 10 days, it's just this amazing days of awe. And it is, it is the awe and the wonder and they think about the beauty of God and they think about what God's done for them and they think they remember they're really very good um, at celebrating. We do Thanksgiving in America, right? They're really very good at celebrating um, secularised stuff here. The Hebrew culture itself has very specific festivals that they do and every festival... It's about worshipping God. Every festival is about saying thank you for providing, thank you for atoning, thank you for saving us in the wilderness. So that's what Rosh Hashanah is part of the days of, um, the, the 10 days, the, the holiday, right, maybe you've heard of Yom Kippur, happens right after it. Um, 
Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement, another celebration that they, that they have. And then here is another one, the one that comes right after that is called Sukkot. Have you heard of Sukkot? Maybe you've heard of the Feast of Tabernacles. Right. So, Jesus, as we just talk about these, um, how they celebrate you, as we talk about your words and your plans and your purposes and how you want us to live in these days, God, I pray that faith would rise in our heart and even that we'd be people who learn with even the songs that we sung. It's, I will praise before my breakthrough. I will set my heart to honor the Lord even though yet I've not yet seen the breakthrough. And so, God, I pray that faith would rise in our hearts, that we'd be people who really understand what it means to look to you no matter what and be people who can pull our eyes and our attention off the words and the things of the world that are, that are there to tank us. And there will be people who have discernment working so high and be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit to really catch those things that are the, the enemy just sends all the time to tank us and distract us and pull us away from faith. And so, yeah, help us with that, God. So I bring up these feasts because I said the song is um, the Lord literally just pressed into my heart, do the Jubilee song. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so – because we're not that smart. We just bump into him. He's the one who's really smart, right? Because <laughs> he's the one who then goes, see, it's even coming up next weekend. Um, I don't plan like that because I don't know. <laughs> um, but the Sukkot, the part of the three festivals, the Sukkot um, in 2015 – that's why I have all my a couple of journals here, right? Um, in 2015, I won't even try and find the right journal because that would take too much time. In 2015, um, the Lord sometimes does this to me. He goes, um, he'll just speak to me in Hebrew or in Greek and, and I have to go chase it down and figure out what he's saying to me. And it's just a way that what he does, like, right? He just has so many different ways and means of communicating with us and teaching us and drawing us closer to his heart. Well, in 2015, he, he just said, right, I was cleaning my bedroom like the floor, hands and knees, scrubbing floor. I remember so clearly, but he goes, Sukkot, so loud. And I went, well, I've never even heard of that one. Is that any, I don't even know if that one's even Greek or Hebrew. Like, I don't know. Um, but I did what most people do, breaked out Google. <laughs> Google it and somewhat phonetically spell it. <laughs> and Google's smart enough with the algorithms that they make you land on it anyway, <laughs> even if you spell it wrong. Um, so anyway, I looked up Sukkot and I was just going down through, that's when he started really showing me what some of the feasts were, but the Sukkot one particularly means to be um, um, uh, tabernacled. It's a feast of booths. It's called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. There's a few different names for it. But what the celebration is every single year, every, all of the um, faithful, faithful Israelites celebrate by erecting a small tent structure on their own property somehow and they just live in it for like a week, for a few days. And, 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 and what they do is they eat like unleavened bread and they just um, spend that time for those few days with their family remembering what God did by bringing uh, the Israelites up out of Egypt by rescuing them through Moses right rescuing them and bringing them into the promised land and because through the promised land in the desert they lived in temporary shelters and the whole idea about Sukkot is remembering when God led us out of the the Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and brought us into the promised land. And there was that temporary time of living in the tabernacles. And it's just this remembering. And the Spirit of God was with them and led them. And the Spirit of God there was a fire by night and a cloud by day, always with them. Right? And so it's a remembering the faithfulness. God's so faithful. He provided everything they needed. All their clothes didn't wear out, right? Food every day, manna on the ground, or, and, then, and then quail, right? Just literally would fly in the camp and <laughs> there's dinner. God was so faithful and provided every single thing they needed. But the greatest of all the things was that his abiding presence was with them. Just always with them. They could always see. Middle of the day, they could see the cloud. At night time, they could see the pillar of fire and they knew God was right there. So when he was speaking to me about what Sukkot was, oh, 
one thing that he said was, in our day, we have had the Passover. We know we can read about it. The Passover was the feast right before the Egyptians were taken out. They were still in Egypt and they celebrate the Passover was the first one. And they celebrated it while they were in Egypt, in captivity, and they celebrated it in faith. And the next day walked out of Egypt following Moses, right? First Passover. That's the first Passover. And they celebrate Passover ever since. Um, Jesus was the final Passover lamb, right? And so when Jesus' own life was sacrificed, he fulfilled Passover, So when Jesus did what he did, not just in fulfilling the Passover, he died and he rose again and his blood was shed for you and for me. And he died brutally on the cross and paid the price for our sin, shame, sickness, disease, everything, right? Freed us from anything. That's another, he affected another exodus. So exodon is the, is the Greek word for exodus in the Greek. They were called the people of the way. Because that's what the word means from the Greek, people of the way, the new exodus Jesus was accomplishing. So when I was learning about Sukkot, God said to me, we have had Passover and we have had Pentecost. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to tabernacle with my people now. It's not that Pentecost is going away, it's only getting bigger but the tabernacling is his abiding presence that doesn't go away. I'm going to cry because I'm... The church for so long lost so much of what Jesus wanted, what God wanted, right? But he knew that that would happen because he knows us. He knows, he knows us. He knows everything about us, knows everything about every person on the face of the planet at every time or at every moment, right? And he knows our human tendencies. And so we did really lose a lot. And so thank God for the Azusa Street revival and other revivals. That's just a big one. And, and there's just been this increasing, increasing, increasing revivals have happened, right? But, you know, we've been talking about reformation in church. And, um, and you know, I said at the beginning that the enemy would love to pull his own great reset <laughs> oh, God actually has his own reset to be doing and his reset is that he's going to tabernacle with us and in ways that is going to um, blow us away astound us um, you know we just worshipped here for not quite an hour um, and I don't know where people are at with that right some people just there <laughs> everything in all in Others are like, oh, can we skip to the good part? Oh, I'm doing a meme now. <laughs> can we skip to the good part? Um, um, but the worship and enjoying his presence is the good part. And for us to understand that um, when, we, when, when we, he is coming in such a way that we won't want to leave the presence, we won't want to leave worship, and it won't even be about who's playing the guitar or who's playing what instruments or leading the song. It's just that because God is going to be in the room so, so incredibly strong. We are not going to, like, we can't comprehend the presence and the power and the things that he wants to do in our lives, through our lives, um, for, to touch other peoples. But, but even the presence that he wants to have here now on the earth amongst us. And that was in 2015 and he said, um, the church has yet to experience tabernacle. And so I love um, the book of John. Um, if you can read from, th from 13, 14, 13 is the last night, right? The start of the last night, the dinner, he, he foot washes... Um, and 14, 15, 16s, all of the conversation that he's just having that night, the last night before he's taken away to be killed. And that whole conversation is abide with me, be with me, learn to just be with me. You don't have to be doing anything. You don't need to be striving into this presence. Just be with me. And if you abide in me, my Father, we will also abide with you, right? The actual uh, cry of the heart of the Father is that you would have sons and daughters who just want to be with him. And like we're human beings, <laughs> being, 
with him. We're not human doings, right? We don't have to strive into this and work our way into this and religiously think of ways like... uh, Spend my 30 minutes, if I've done my devotion, have I done enough devotion, have I, have I not done enough devotion? Is, Jesus, are you happy with that? Like, it's none, that's just religion. It's just the being with him and enjoying his presence, hearing his voice, knowing that his voice, what he says over you. Because what he says over you every single day is, you are my beloved. And most of us forget that or doubt it. We might hear it, we might hear it in church, this church a lot, right? But you might doubt it. Oh, I can see how the person next to me might be, but I know what I did yesterday. I know what I was thinking about last night. <laughs> like, but, but Father's heart for every person is you are my beloved. That's it. Like he doesn't, he's not thinking about anything you did yesterday. He's just really happy that you've come to spend time with him today and just sit there and just enjoy his presence. There is nothing on this earth that is better than the presence of God who created the earth, right? We, um, we live in a world where there's so many distractions. Um, there are uh, electronic distractions. There's every kind of distraction, but I'm just going to use electronic distractions because everybody's got a phone in their pocket and you can whip it out. You, here's, here's, the, here's my example. If we go to the store late at night and we're in the same car, he might run in, but if I just have two minutes in the car, I'm like, oh, who's texting me? Oh, what's happening on social media? I actually don't have social media on my phone, but uh, you get the picture, right? Oh, let me check my email. Let me, right? And, and it's, like, it's like we can't be alone with ourselves. For just a minute or two without having to whip out and say, oh, have I got a text? Does someone like me enough to text me? We can't, we've forgotten what it's like to be alone. We've forgotten what it's like to just abide with him because to abide with him, we've got to set this stuff aside and be able to just go, I'm going to put the distraction aside, whatever it is, the video games, the electronics, the social media, YouTube videos, and by the way, really great teaching content. Let me see what that person's teaching on this week. I've got 10 minutes. (laughs) What's the latest, greatest message someone's preached? Teach me. And there's nothing wrong with that great content because I consume it too, all right? I'm just trying to ask you all, like, have the awareness of what you turn your heart's focus to in those moments when when it's just quiet. It's just you and no, no one else, right? And the first thing, if we're whipping out our phone first thing, it's a good thing we might need to set it aside for a time and learn to be without it. I, I took all the social media off my phone like two years ago. I was like, it's the best thing ever. I deleted Facebook too. That's even better. <laughs> no, it like, it look, enjoy it. If, if you have it, I'm not saying, you know, whatever. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying it was good for me. <laughs> um, but here's why I'm picking on the social media and electronic stuff. Um, if you turn to 1 Kings 18 verse... Yeah, First Kings 18. I, I haven't got enough. <laughs> I like need a third hand. <laughs> We've talked about this a little bit before. Um, but I think it's really important um, because knowing that God really wants to make his presence so real and so true to us that we know him beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know he's speaking to us but beyond a shadow of a doubt, sometimes some of the things that we've got to do is recognise when it's um, the enemy's voice and the distractions the enemy throws our way. So in, in 1 Kings 18... Actually, I don't know where I should read... Skip back a little bit. Skip back to 16. So in 16, verse 32, he, it's Ahab, he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. And he's an Israelite king and he set up a temple and put an altar to Baal in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. And he did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all of the other kings before him. 
So now skip over to 18. In just those couple of chapters there, you're going to read Asherah. The Asherah had 400 prophets and the Baal prophets was 450 prophets. The 450 that were Baal came to Mount Carmel. If you read now here with me from 19, summon all the people over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 400 prophets, sorry, 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So what was happening was Mount Carmel was uh, a mountain that, that Jerem, uh, sorry, Elijah said, uh, meet me on the mountain because on the mountain we're going to decide who's really God. Is it, is it the God of Israel or is it the Baal who you all now worship? Israel had been, uh, been led by the man, King Ahab, but Ahab was so evil, he set up the temple to Baal right in, right in the areas where they would worship. He set up an, a, an altar and an Asherah pole. With that altar and the Asherah pole, he assigned 450 prophets to Baal. Baal means Satan. It's the devil, right? Baal. And then the Asherah is just another big demon god. So 400 prophets to Asherah and 450 to Baal. And so we've just read from two chapters later. Now... Elijah's like, meet me, on, meet me on, the, on the mountain because we're going to see whose God's really real. And we've talked about who won that day. We know Elijah won that day. He killed all of the prophets. The point I'm trying to speak about, though, is that if there's, an, if there's a man called Ahab in charge of the nation and he sets up altars to Satan and he sets up poles to demons and then assigns prophets to the nation. The point of the prophets to the nation is that the prophets were to bring Satan and demons' narrative into the nation and into the cities and into the small towns because every town had like a prophetic school. And so if they could, if they could switch what people were listening to by installing the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, and then 400 prophets of Asherah, those people were going to be able to decide the narrative for the nation. Right? So, why am I bringing up that many prophets? Evil, false prophets who are there to serve Satan's agenda. Is because in our social media and electronic media today, what we're consuming a lot of the time, and by the way, for decades, even before social media, for decades, there's been prophetic narrative from the enemy that has been sent through our culture, and it's why we are where we are today. It's why we have the school systems and the issues of the, the gender transphoria and all of that that's going on right now, right? I don't have, we've talked about this, I don't have to go into all of it too far, but you understand if there are literally stationed prophets and the king and the leadership are saying, listen to these people, they have the narrative. And then the people are going, oh, I must listen to the prophet, but they're prophets who serve Baal and they're prophets who serve um, Asherah, demons. The story there is that Elijah won the day and killed all those prophets. But I'm bringing that up so that you understand. To be people who are going to allow, allow the Lord to tabernacle with us, we've got to recognise what the false prophets and the false narratives are that we've believed. We've, we've, we've allowed through our nation for decades wrong things into church there's been communism pushed into church so that even today in America, you know, around the nation, there are, there are people that are now, they call themselves Christian churches, but they're singing songs to our Mother Earth God, right? And the, some Methodist churches and uniting churches are literally singing songs saying, yes, to our Mother God, she loves everybody and she doesn't care about our pronouns. In the place where once worship was going up, Right? And that's because there's been false prophets putting a lot of false narrative into even the church. And I say even the church. It's because the church couldn't um, keep herself that the nation is in the state that it is in the first place, right? Decades and decades and decades. I said a couple of weeks ago, maybe, 
here. I don't know. It was in the 1950s and there was a Supreme Court justice who was a Freemason in the 1950s and it was him, the Freemason, who pushed for the separation of church and state and especially into the schools. And, and he was a Supreme Court justice. I can't remember his name, but he was in so in the 1950s, and and his it was he was it was his what he was put there to do, by the way, because that's how they run their their cult in the first place. So he was put into the Supreme Court, highest court in the land, and his opinion was based upon a narrative that was based on false demon gods, separation of church and state. Now we can stop children praying in schools, get God out of school. Well, there's no such thing as a void or a vacuum. Nothing in the spiritual realm works in a vacuum. The Holy Spirit is either present, and if he's not, there's a void, a spiritual void, that the enemy will come in and fill with himself very quickly because he's an opportunist, right? And so the minute we took prayer out of schools, because we've too quickly... And then, and then decades on, we don't know the history of who even was responsible for it or why, but we can, be, we can be saying, yeah, yeah, there's this good thing called separation of church and state. I'm like, when I first landed here, I was like, what on earth are they talking about? It really, really shock, shook me that Christians would say, yeah, yeah, we should be separated. I'm like, do you understand if we are separated, that means the devil has a heyday. Because we've left and vacated the very place that God really wanted us to be involved in, which is shaping a nation. We don't, if we are not the ones shaping the nation, and not with who we are, but bringing God's government in, right? His peace, his love, his truth. He dignifies the human life. He is sacred. Life is sacred, right? And so if those messages are missing from the government, because we believed separation of church and state, it's on the church. And it happened because there were just hundreds and thousands of false prophets and, and, and the Christians didn't recognize it. The people didn't recognize it. Thank God for his mercy. <laughs> like, like, thank God he is so kind he is so merciful with us. He's good and he just doesn't stop doing good in our lives, even when we don't deserve it. But we are right now at a time when there's really massive change happening and you, you don't have to be a prophetic person to even see that. Unbelievers sometimes can see this better than we can right now. There is massive shift, massive upheaval happening and so we're going to read... Um, we're going to start with Isaiah 11. Massive shift, massive upheaval. The Jubilee year, which starts next Sunday, the Jubilee year is coming, um, but Reformation is coming. Revival is coming. But revivals have come and gone in the past. Like they stick around for a year or two or three and they wane because the human gets in the way. <laughs> we, we create like our religious ways and formulas and we get really good at it again. Oh, yeah, control. This is the way to control this one. Maybe we can keep this one. Or God's like, I, I want to be the one who maintains the revival. I want to be the one who tabernacles. Can you do it my way now? And that's what he's about to be doing through this reformation. And so I've mentioned what the enemy means for harm, and the enemy really is pulling out no stops. I think you know. I'm not trying to paint a picture of that today. People are wise. You understand. Um, the world systems are coming down. All of them are coming down, right? So the enemy has, a, has an assignment on all of that, right? Because he thinks he can win. He thinks he can try and uh, uh, fulfill the seasons before God's timing even. But he can't. God's really the one in control. The jubilee that's coming that begins next, next Sunday, we're going to really start to see uh, really big changes. And, 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 and part, of it is, part of it is in our hearts, if we're just willing to be people who will pick up the words of God and speak those, we become God's prophet into the places where we work and live and we carry his narrative and his words. So where we, what we do have the Baal prophets today, we do have 
the wrong people saying that you know the false narrative that the enemy would like and they are dictating things in a nation but when the people of God understand we have got to carry the words of God and speak them out really strongly too like not like say it and cower in a corner stand up and you say, this is what I believe this is what God has said and declare maybe it's scripture and pray scripture or declare prophetic words and whatever God's saying over a person a situation your prophetic voice is the Holy Spirit through you speaking God's words to the person, the situation, the schoolroom, wherever you are. And it literally undoes the narrative of the enemy because God's words are powerful and he will not want, let one word of his fall to the ground without, without fulfilling God, his purpose for his words. Right? So we have got to be people who actually understand. I know, I know all these false prophets are over here false prophets of every kind of wrong ideology through, through culture, right? But, but, but I know I carry the Spirit of God in me. He's in me. And so his words are on my tongue and I'm going to speak them out and I'm going to see great, great change, great breakthrough. There's really something to... We even sung today a little... It's just that I'm going to... I, I changed the words, right? So sometimes if we're just waiting in song, you're like, what, what are they doing? Because I'm feeling like, what do you want, what do you want me to do, God? Because I'm feeling like he might have just dropped something into my spirit. And so today, well, he did this on, it's just prophetic, spontaneous worship is all it's called, right? But it's the sing it out, pray it out, um, declare it, year of jubilee, right? And so you can fit those phrases and that's just a prophetic drop. And as you just, you go, oh, you just said that and you give your voice to it and then sing it louder and keep singing it and keep singing it, it actually stirs faith in you. So it's not, we're not just like, it's not a show up here. It's not, we're not trying to be cute and have like cute phrases in the words and that we're adding into songs that don't have normally any place being there. It's this prophetic, spontaneous worship that we're catching from the Spirit that God's just going, sing that bit, sing it out loud. And so we might sit on something for a long time sometimes because it's that, it's that um, um, actually it's like sometimes it's hitting a, you're hitting a ceiling of something so I know there was some people that walked in with some stuff that was heavy today and I knew that just by, by you know, can peck away at a thing and peck away at a thing and eventually that heaviness breaks off people in the spirit, right? And that's what those prophetic pieces do. And so where you are in your place of education or work or the home, wherever you are, when you are using God's words and speaking God's words, like I said, scriptural stuff or prophetic stuff, you're doing the same thing in the spiritual realm. You are creating a massive change and shift that you just yet haven't seen what's taken place. Like massive change happens because you just turned up and said something that God gave you in your heart. Massive change. I wish people could see in the spirit more. I, I see in the spirit. I don't see in the spirit all the time about everything all the time. But sometimes the stuff I see in the spirit really um, shocks me in a, in a really great way because um, um, shocks me into better faith. Oh, my gosh, I better pray a bit louder. I better pray a bit longer. I better pray about that issue now because, because when you can see literal change happening in the spirit realm around you, it makes you just go, oh, I will not stop praying, right? Um, anyway, so... I said to turn to Isaiah, didn't I? I turned to Habakkuk. You can turn to Isaiah. Yeah, chapter 11. So Isaiah chapter 11 um, and halfway through verse 9. On all my holy mountain, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of of the Lord as waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. So the knowledge, it's the knowing God, not knowledge intellect. It's knowledge, it's knowing him, the personal interaction, the constant relationship that you are invited into having with him every single day. The knowledge of the Lord, it's actually the Hebrew there is yada. It's to, to know even, yada is part, even what it comes from is to even his breath, to know when he's breathing and you breathe in and breathe out his breath, like you're so close and there's intimacy with you and you can feel his heartbeat. Yada, knowing God, right? The earth will be filled with the knowledge, which means the earth will be filled with people who know God. And that happens when you and I step up and start speaking his words and start living the way he's wanted us to really live, which is as sons and daughters, full of the Holy Spirit, I am full of power 
right? Because the Holy Spirit is in me. Not because of any human strength. The human is not strength. The human is what gets in the way. The human is what makes religion again. Uh, and, and, you know, God might start some kind of revival. A human gets in the way, creates a bit of religion around about it, stops a revival. If we be people who just stop that, stop the leaning on the human, stop leaning on my strength, stop leaning on my own intellect, and instead really depend upon the Holy Spirit. Learn, learn to hear his voice and just do it. Learn to hear his voice and say what he's saying, right? There's that scripture that Jesus said, I will not do anything thing that I don't first hear the Father uh, saying, and I won't say what I don't hear the Father saying. So he would not do anything, and he would not say anything that he first didn't hear Father, like instructions, direct instructions into his heart. And he did that, and he said that, because he wants us to live the same way. He wants, and, he, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us into it, right? It's not hard. We just have, what the hard part is yielding the human ego. That's it. <laughs> and so we just got to let that, put that down and then just pick up Holy Spirit. Like put the self down, put the ideas down, put all of that. Because we can come up with great, great ideas. Anyway, turn now to Habakkuk because I want to show you Habakkuk 2, chapter 14. It says the same thing. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Same thing. So that's like two different prophets, similar, kind of similar time period. But, but they're really trying to speak something into Israel at the time. Okay, now turn to uh, Haggai. If I try and get this one, I think I've lost Haggai. It's the third last, I think, in the Old Testament. <laughs> Haggai, turn to Haggai, chapter 2. Haggai, another prophet. Haggai was um, uh, speaking at the time when there was a lot of reformation going on and the second temple was being built, second temple period in Israel. It was a big reformation. Israelites had come, been let out of Babylon, out of captivity, and they were going home and they were about to reform the nation and rebuild the temple and start worship again, right, in, in their home, in their home city. So Haggai is one of the prophets and he's speaking to Zerubbabel, who was one of the reformers. This is what he says. My spirit, oh, from verse 5, halfway through verse 5. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while... I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord. And in this place I will grant peace. Here's what is really quite... Um, um, a f that didn't happen in Zerubbabel's time and it didn't happen in um, Jesus' time either because that's what's happening in our time right now. We can read this and go, oh, it's like 3,000 years ago, right? And not, not realise it's actually sometimes, sometimes the prophetic words from these books are, have a double, double fulfilment, Right? Sometimes they haven't even yet been fulfilled. Well, this is one that hasn't yet. Is I will shake all the nations and what is desired by the nations will come. Like he, so we wait right now. There is a shaking and a quaking going on with the systems. Every nation. There are, there are already nations like the banks, in, um, the banks in some of the European countries have closed and there's people outside their banks and they can't even get their money out right now. Right? There's, other, there's other countries in Europe and they've had their electricity switched off and they're going, wait a second, you can't just decide to turn the electricity off. Governments have gone, well, we've done it, too bad. Right? And so there is a shaking and a quaking. It began before COVID, but COVID really increased it right? massively. There's a massive shaking and quaking going on. But this is what the Lord said. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come. What's the desire of all the nations? Yeah, he said that. Yeah. He's the desire of all the nations. 
He is the desire of all the nations. He is the king of all the nations. Every knee on heaven and earth must bow before the name of Jesus Christ. He's the king of heaven, high, high king of heaven, right? But the desire of all the nations is they've seen, they've seen what man can do. And at his best day, he's no, nothing like Jesus. And on his worst day, oh my gosh, the nations are shaking, <laughs> right? The desire of all the nations is Jesus. And that's what is coming in this reformation that we're going to be seeing in just a little while. Oh, we're seeing it now. There's like little pieces of it, right? It's trickling. There's like a trickle in now. But soon, that's that. I, he wants to tabernacle with us. And his glory is going to cover us. But every person, as far as the east is from the west, his, from the sea to sea, um, his glory is going to cover everything. His glory is his strong, strong presence. His glory is when his presence is strong on a person or in a place. It's, it's him wanting to make himself known. It's him wanting to say, I love you and I want to show my goodness to you. I want you to know my heart, right? He's going to be doing that in very, very short amount of time. I actually um, spent the whole day yesterday in the house on my own because Clayton was out and Bella was out and the boys worked all day. So just all day. And I just sat with the Lord over all this stuff. And I, 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 I'll say I even struggled a little bit because I'm not really using notes. So <laughs> not that I'd use my notes on any good day anyway. But, but I was struggling. With, I, I was like, I know what you want me to say. <laughs> just, how do I say it? God, I, I, I hope that people catch it's your presence that we have got to understand is the vital thing into our lives, is the presence of God and that we, we value him and that we value his presence over absolutely everything that, he, he, that we can see. Um, like, I love my husband, right? Oh, I'll tell this story. Uh, my husband and my three kids, one day I was in a conference and I was in the back somewhere and was worshipping because I worship my guts out, like it doesn't matter where, right? And I was in the back, but God gave me a vision and, and uh, he showed me my heart, and, but my heart was an altar um, because that's what it is, by the way. A heart's a little altar and if we're not careful, it just becomes a little idol factory, Right? That's the whole point. The enemy just loves, seeks to just put stuff in there and distract and, and take our attention away from who Jesus is. But I saw my heart and it was an altar. And, and what was coming off the altar was um, blue flames. Like, you know, clear flame or blue flames, the hottest, like it's orangey red when you're looking at a fire, orange, red, yellow colors. That's not the hot fire. The hot is the blue. And then when it disappears and you can't see it, that's the hottest flame, right? Well, that's what I was looking at off my heart was rising just this fire and flame. And the Lord showed me my kids and, and uh, my husband. <laughs> and um, all four of their faces were there on the altar, right? And um, he goes, even these? And I went, yeah, even those, even those. And I don't know if you have kids, but I think you understand. Are you married? I think you understand, like, to have Jesus as the one. <laughs> Do you know, off our heart to him rises perfume. The perfume of our, it's like the incense off our heart, right? You read about incense in the Old Testament, right? Well, now the altar is on our heart. And we place ourselves or, you know, stuff on that and, 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 and he takes that into, him, into himself. And that incense rises off your heart whenever you're just with him and, and giving him your attention and your affection without the distractions of anything else. Because he so wants to tabernacle with us, the, 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 the abiding, undistracted time with him. He's jealous for it. You can read in Job, the Holy Spirit literally in you longs, and the Spirit, like the Father longs for that reconnection of this Holy Spirit and there to be just this intimate, deep connection. I think I'm done. I just want to explain this. The... Um,
don't get bored with God. Right? Don't get bored with God. Because to get bored with God just means you really just don't know him. Like he wants you to know him. Um, It's the same God that, you know, if you pick up a leaf or a blade of grass... And that blade of grass has its own little vascular system and there's no other blade of grass like it on the planet. Like that creativity and that amount of detail, even to just the grass that withers, right? And then there's you, your life, and how unique he's made you and created you and all the purpose he's created you for, right? So it's that God who is is so incredibly intelligent, (laughs) That every single blade of grass has a different vascular system and a different print imprint than the, than the blade of grass next to it for all of grass everywhere. <laughs> like that God is who you get to spend time with. The intelligence that he is, the creativity that he has, the power that he has, but yet he wants to just have this personal, like intimate, intimate relationship with you. Like doesn't that blow you out of the water when you just go, oh, hang on. The son still obeys him and he wants to be my friend. Like real friendship. Like nothing else this world has to offer. No other as great as marriage is and as great as raising kids are and being in family and as great as all of that is, like the healthiest of relationships, still that one is greater. He just wants your heart. He wants your heart. Like he wants you to learn what it is to just abide with him and spend time with him and not get bored so you're not picking up your device and having to, huh, oh, you just spoke that. Sometimes it's you read a Bible verse. Oh, let me, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to social media that. Well, just enjoy the Bible verse with Father. <laughs> like you don't, you don't need to like rush off and like post it. <laughs> Like, just enjoy just being with him and not, and, and, and like, sometimes there's a little bit of a discipline of our heart, right? To discipline myself, discipline my thinking, to just be, be with him, be with him, set aside distraction, be with him. But what, if you get in the practice of that, you'll soon find that where, where once it might be discipline, it really quickly gives way to sheer delight. Like, the delight. Because he's making himself known more and more and more and more. We will not plumb the depths of who he is and learn who he is this side of heaven. And even on the other, uh, even on the other side when we are in heaven face to face, we'll still spend eternity still finding out more things about him. Right? So your best, most entertaining television show or your best, most entertaining favorite social media, none of it is as good as him. And he's wanting you to know that. So, I'm going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Allah babara kendere sekenene neruto babalerererererere kiendalendere bevenere kiendere talemarenere. Thank you, Father, that you are the one who's taken the initiative to know us. You've taken the initiative to draw close to us, but you do ask us to also draw near to you. And you are you are faithful. You 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 are faithful. You do say for those that will draw near to you, you will you will. It's the reciprocal relationship. You will draw nearer again, and uh, you just want people who are going to seek you and have you as number one as the vital thing in our life more important than the breath in my lungs is the relationship that I have with you and the breath in my lungs is even provided by you in the first place and so I pray father that we be people who just value who you are that our value for you and our honor for you and our love for you would grow bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper in us and um, that we would allow you really, we would allow you to blow our thinking out of the water, that we would allow you to blow away uh, wrong, small thinking about who you are, small thinking about your power, small thinking about uh, if we go to minimize who you are. I pray that we would allow you to just really come in and, you know, deal in our thinking mess around a little bit with our heart and our thinking that has shut you out and and help us see those areas that we might have done that. I pray, God, make us aware of that so we can repent. 
Make us aware of the areas where we've had unbelief so that we can repent. And I pray that we would. I pray, Father, I pray that we'd be people who quick, quick to repent, quick to repent of unbelief, quick to repent of, of, of uh, fear that has, has kept us away from you. Father, I just pray that you really, you're the Father who comes so close, so close. It's the face-to-face with you. You want us to live face-to-face every day. Face-to-face, like literally, is you're breathing in his exhale. You breathe it in as he exhales. It's the same air, right? Face-to-face. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're so gentle and you're so kind to do this in us. And so I do pray that people would recognize your gentleness and your kind hand because you're not going to force us into surrender. You're so gentle and you're so kind. And so I pray that people, knowing that you're gentle and you're kind and you've given us this thing called free will, you won't force us, but you still ask us because it's the best place for us to live in a place of surrender to you so that you can be all in us and through us that you want to be. Yeah. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Build um build endurance or stamina to stay in the place of presence. You understand what I'm saying by that? Like build stamina or endurance so that you can stay with your heart engaged, it actually takes, it does take some stamina, some endurance to just stay in the place of presence, right? So ask him for help with that because the Holy Spirit's in you, which means the fruit of the Spirit is, and one of them is self-control. That'll help you with the stamina, that endurance to just stay, just to wait, staying in the place and just staying to just keep singing a little longer, sing a little louder, sing a little longer, just wait a little longer, right? Build his stamina into that. Build endurance in that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.